Hi everyone, welcome to episode two eleven on the of the. Uh, I'm gonna let you. I know you're gonna keep all this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I can cut it out if you want. No, it's fine. I don't care. Hi everyone, welcome to episode two eleven of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, uh, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. Hi Jill. Hi. So here's what happened. I panicked and. Uh, 211 of the Professional Book News Podcast, and I was going to say on the Professional Book News Podcast, because that's how I end the intros usually. I got in my own head. <laughs> I got in my own way there. Hello. What's going How are you doing? We're having one of those marathon recording sessions mm-hmm. that we do every once in a while. Yeah. Because Adam's going to be gone, so we have to like front load a lot of stuff. First off. Plus, it's like two days after Daylight Savings Time. And we're still struggling. <laughs> Listen, you guys can't see this because it's a podcast. Uh, Joel's just giving like a little glaring look as if she... Was, no, no, I was not. Oh, I was okay. not. It looked like a glare and I was no, like, wait was not a minute. No, not a glare. I was not glaring. you spent the whole last month not doing No, I know. It. I'm not glaring. All right. There was no glaring. I'm just Good. explaining. I'm just explaining. Wait till the next in- intro. That's fine. Because it's still going to happen. Okay. No, I'm, tell- I'm telling everyone else. Wait oh. till they hear how crazy that one is. Because it'll be the fourth one that we've done in a row. This is just the third. I was trying to help your case here and explain why perhaps. <laughs> I, I respect that. I had I had just done the end of an intro right before the beginning of this intro. None of this is important. That's okay. Um, today on the show, we had Claire Hanscom, who is the host of the Brit Lit podcast. We did a podcast and a podcast. We did. Um, she is also an author, and I don't want to get into that part of it because she does a really cool breakdown in the conversation about how her publishing works. It's very interesting. Um, but she does a podcast every two weeks, Brit Lit Podcast, all about Brit Lit, British literature. Um, yes. She's very on the nose with that, with her name. Uh, so definitely subscribe to her. I enjoy her interviews and her breakdown of stuff all the time, so. What, do you remember what else we talked about? It was a while ago at this point. No. That's the terrible. West Wing. We talked about the West <gasps> we Wing. We did talk about the West Wing. Yeah. Oh, I have a West Wing story that I don't think I mentioned. Way it on me. Okay. So um, I have these friends who uh, in high school, they did a class trip to, I think they were in New York. And <laughs> so two of them, so like the West Wing was in its prime at this time. Mm-hmm. And um. Two of them were crossing the street and they saw Martin Sheen <gasps> walk across, like walking. I'm pretty sure they were in New York, like walking across the street. They like grab each other, run across the street. And they're like, President Bartlett, President Bartlett. <laughs> so there's a picture in my high school senior year yearbook. With President Bartlett. With my friend Jen, with President Bartlett. Claire's going to be really mad you didn't tell I know. I forgot all about it. Plus, it's not like my story to tell. It's more like adjacently my story to tell. Right, but your friend whose story it is to tell doesn't have a She does not have a podcast. podcast. She does not have a podcast to tell that story. Yeah. Yes, there's a picture in, of, of President Bartlett in my senior year yearbook. That's really funny. Oh, man. I'd like to see that. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, be sure to subscribe to the Britlet podcast. Um, and if you're hearing this because Claire tweeted it out or anything or talked about it on her podcast, hello and welcome. 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 It's like a very Westworldy, not West Wing, like Westworld, like what? <laughs> just like automatons. Yeah. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. 
Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that, Joe? I'll do the next one, I promise. They, <laughs> they can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pro... No. No. <laughs> We're not on Facebook. Overdrive is. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. You can follow Overdrive for Libraries on Facebook. Uh, That account is verified, I believe. And there's like 25,000 followers. Join the community. See? Saved you. Thanks. Anything else you think people should know about? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful chat with Claire Hanscom, our new buddy, uh, host of the Brit Lit Podcast on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Adam and Jill again today, and we have a little bit of a different episode today. We are doing kind of a podcast and a podcast with another podcaster. Uh, so our guest today is the host of the wonderful Brit Lit podcast. Her name is Claire Hanscom, and the, she releases episodes every two weeks, or I believe it says every fortnight on her website. Um, and she's also the author of the upcoming Unscripted, which is a novel that's going to be coming from the publisher Unbound. So we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. So first off, Claire, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Unscripted? Yeah, sure. So Unscripted is a novel about a young woman with a celebrity crush and a very determined plan about how she's going to turn the celebrity crush into getting to marry her crush. Um, she's going to write a novel and she's going to get the novel to him and magically he's going to want to write, write, sorry, he's going to want to write the script with her. Um, and as they're writing, they will, of course, fall madly in love and fade to black, basically. <laughs> I've, I've totally had those fantasies before. I'm not going to lie here. <laughs> I'm like, this would be perfect for Leonardo DiCaprio to play the character. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh, that, that's so fun. Plus, it's a novel within a novel, which is always fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be much of a story, and also I would have given everything away right now if that is actually what happens. But that's her plan, and that's how she starts out. Oh, that would be actually, I would love it if we started talking to authors and they gave us like a one sentence description where they're like, yeah, so it's boy meets girl and everyone lives happily ever after. And then they just stare at us. I'm like, how did you get a publisher for this? Oh, that's so fun. So your book is being published by Unbound. And while we were emailing back and forth, you kind of told me this is a a little bit of a unique way to publish. So can you maybe give us some more information about it? Uh, Unbound is a UK-based publisher, and they're crowdfunding-based. So just like Kickstarter and all those other models, um, I have to go online, I have to raise funds for my book. But then once the book is fully funded, they kick in as a more or less traditional publisher, so they're not mavericks, they're experts in publishing, they know what they're doing in terms of uh, producing professional-looking books and getting them into bookstores and um, having connections within the trade and, and all that kind of thing. But it starts with a more collaborative model. Instead of them putting out money and hoping they get money back, they're basically making sure they get the money back up front from essentially pre-orders. That feels like actually a really smart that's way of doing that. a very smart way. Yeah, that's a really smart yeah. way. Um, yeah, so it means they can take more risks because mm-hmm. basically instead of giving an advance and then hoping they make it back, 
they can take a chance on a book they may or may not think has the potential to get somewhere. But if it turns out it doesn't have potential, then they don't publish it. And if it turns out they do, if it turns out it does have publishing potential, then they get funded, maybe to everybody's surprise, and maybe it becomes a bestseller or a successful book in some way. So. Okay, so so two questions. One before I forget, I want to make sure I ask: Where can people get information about your book if they want to jump on the uh, the crowdsourcing and be a part of it? So the easiest way for people to find my book is just type in unscriptednovel.com, and that will point them to the right page on the Unbound website. That's a I'm actually that's a very good URL. I'm impressed you were able to get that. <laughs> um. Is it, and then the other question I had for you, because you said it's kind of like crowdsourcing, are there, um, I know Kickstarter sometimes does like uh, a, prizes, they have perks and things like that for people who join in. So are, does uh, Unbound tend to do that type of thing as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest perk that all the books have is everybody gets their name in the back of the book to say thank you. Uh, for, for helping with the book, which a lot of people find quite exciting, having their name in print. So that's kind of the baseline. You get a first, edi- a first edition of the book or a digital copy of the book with your name in the back to say thank you. But And there are lots of other perks. Um, for example, in, on with my novel, you can get a mug with like a not, um, with the character names. Um, you can get a T-shirt. You can get a discount on if you buy several copies of the book. Um so there are kind of all different kinds of rewards. You can also, on mine, you can guest on my podcast, um, or I can take you out for dinner somewhere expensive. So there's all kinds of different rewards, and different books have different, lend themselves to different kinds of rewards as well. I think that works. I mean, you already have a built-in audience. Yeah. That's without, a- I mean, you know, because they helped... As, like, someone who has done Kickstarters, like, if there's some... You take, like, a certain amount of pride being like, oh, I totally helped bring this thing to life and you know you have that with readers and then they can build the buzz for you and that's a really cool way of publishing i love this idea yeah and my book is also about fandom in part and i'm a active member of the west wing fandom so a couple of my rewards are related to that i live in dc so one of my rewards is i can meet you for coffee and take you around some of the lesser known west wing fights in dc and things like that if you by the way if you don't think that i have that in my notes to bring up a little bit later i am very ready to talk about west wing but i want to tell you um given that obviously as you know we are a very heavy library kind of supported podcast if you were to put in your perks a uh, a tote bag um i'm just suggesting i feel like you would get funded by librarians in like a month just because librarians love their tote bags. They love tote bags. If you, um, don't, don't they already have a million of them? It do, oh, it doesn't. I have a million just from. <laughs> that doesn't. It, that doesn't matter. So that's the thing is we say the same thing here. But um, if you ever get a chance to go to like one of the library, like the public library association, the American Library Association conferences, really any conference that has the word library in it, you will see just you'll see people carrying tote bags in their tote bags and. I I'm just saying. No, he's not wrong. I'm a librarian. We love our tote bags. <laughs> well, I'll definitely talk to them about adding that. Like, that would definitely be doable. Yeah. Just saying. You Especially might... if it has some, like, clever phrase on the side of it or like, a cute picture. Yeah. Yeah. We love our yeah. tote bags. Yeah. You'll definitely have two backers in this room for sure. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so is this a format of 
of publishing that is prevalent in the UK or is this something that Unbound is doing that's kind of different from other publishers? I guess, is the publishing world that different in the UK as opposed to in the US? No, um, it's not that different. Publishing is very risk averse in the UK just as it is in the US and that's partly why Unbound I think was necessary. Um, It's been around for I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the exact dates wrong. It's been around for enough years in the UK that it's becoming well established and well known and well regarded. But as far as I know, it's the only thing that exists like it in the UK and, in fact, the US. Although I have a friend who is a poet, and he tells me that in the poetry world, sometimes there are books that also only get published once they've had a certain number of orders. That is correct. I have a friend who is a poet as well, and I've heard the same thing. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, poetry is a tricky one. So yeah. yeah, I feel left out. I don't have any poetry. <laughs> so, in addition to kind of that, like on the whole, you you know, you mentioned that the publishing world is pretty similar in the sense that it's it's risk averse both in the UK and the US. But when mm. it comes to publishing books, have you noticed any difference between the two different places? Whether it's um, the the types of outreach they do or how they, you know, take advantage of media. I guess I'm just curious, like, do you see any differences between the two publishing worlds, whether it's, you know, how they interact with libraries or just whatever it might be? Well, there's lots of little differences. Like, for example, the covers are often different, um, which is something I find endlessly fascinating and a little bewildering as someone who straddles the two worlds and sometimes thinks what a British designer's thinking. <laughs> um, but, and, but then equally other times thinks, come on, Americans, you could have just kept the British cover, it's beautiful. So um, I find that endlessly fascinating. Um, and then, you know, other little differences, like for some reason books come out on Tuesdays in the US and on Thursdays in the UK, who knows why, hmm. um, things like that. And I guess, um, until recently, it was hard for me to get hold of advanced review copies, British advanced review copies, because NetGalley doesn't really translate. If it, if it sees that you're US-based, it doesn't let you have UK things, um, I think, for rights reasons. But if you ask for the actual physical copy, you get sent a copy. So as far as I'm aware, the sort of publicist blogger ARC universe is very similar. Um there's perhaps more of a personal touch in the UK, um, but that's also down to our styles and how we email and communicate in general. Like, you can exchange one email with somebody in the UK and they'll be signing off with kisses, whereas in the US it's all, you know, <laughs> kind regards and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> so it's, it's, it's different. It's a different style, um, but it's really exciting because I'm getting to know publicists now because they're following my podcast or my blog or they've sent me a book or two so that's really nice um and then we also so in the UK we do have the big US books many of them at least come across but then of course we also have our own crop of British books some of which are published in the US but many of which are not um so I guess Maybe we end up with more books to choose from. I'm not really sure how that all works because I'm US-based as well. So not much of my knowledge is gleaned from actually physical bookshops. Obviously, when I'm in the UK, I visit them. But when I'm in the US, everything is online. So my information and my uh, knowledge of the industry is very much 
what people choose to project online rather than the reality of actual books and tables of books in bookshops, if that makes sense. Well, so I'm actually kind of curious, since you do sort of see a little bit of both worlds, do you see any differences in the trends, the reading trends of what American readers read versus what UK readers read? So I've been thinking about this in the run-up to this interview to try and come up with something deep and meaningful to say. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm not sure that there are trends, um, trends that are different as such. There is the same challenge of publishing being overwhelmingly white, um, which, if anything, is worse in the UK. Um, but then again, our proportion of people of colour is also lower. So I'm not sure whether it actually in terms of the proportion of the population is worse or whether it's just worse in general. Um, but particularly with the young adult fiction, we sort of can pat ourselves on the back and say we have authors of colour, but that's because we import US mm. authors of colour. And that doesn't really count. Um, we want to grow our own, um, you know, British, UK, YA authors of colour. And there are some great ones coming out. Um, I read a book last month called I Am Thunder um, by Mohammed Khan and it's about a young Muslim girl who um, she's making her way in the world and she basically falls in with the wrong crowd um, with a with a young Muslim guy who's becoming um, increasingly radicalized and it's kind of about the fallout from that and it's a wonderful book and I just hope that there's you know going to be more of that to come um, and then also trend-wise our humor is very different and yeah the way that we do humor is very different and so there's been a bit of a trend which i think is dying but over the last couple of years of parody books in the uk um and but they're all based on things that we grew up with which people in the u.s didn't necessarily grow up with so for example um we, when I say we, I kind of mean Generation X and older, because um, I'm old. But we grew up reading books like The Famous Five by Enid Blyton, which is about this group of friends and their dog who get up to all kinds of adventures. And they have titles like Five on a Treasure Island and things like that. And so there's this new crop of books called Five on Brexit Island or Five Go Away on a Strategy Away Day, um, which are kind of parodies of those. And then we also... Um, Many of us grew up reading books called Ladybird books, and they were books that taught us things like the Ladybird book of how to help your mum at home or the Ladybird book of musical instruments, and they taught us things like that. So now there's a new crop of Ladybird book of dating, the Ladybird book of the brother, the Ladybird book of the student, and they're just kind of parodies, and they're very funny. Um, the Ladybird book of dating had me laughing out loud in the bookshop. Um, so, yeah, so that's a very specific... British take on a very specific British phenomenon so that would definitely I'd be shocked if those ever made it over and if they had any success if they were in the US but in the UK people love them so oh that is spectacular um sticking with kind of books that have come out or are coming out uh are there some books that you are excited about that you're looking forward to on the the Britlet side of things yes I mean I could talk about this for like 10 hours but I'll try <laughs> try not to talk for too long um i read a book i loved last year called unconventional about well actually also about fandom and about fan conventions it's a young adult novel and the same author has a novel coming out this year called theatrical which is um about behind the scenes of a 
um, of a play and the kind of various love stories and shenanigans there. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm currently reading a book called The Lido by Libby Page, and it's about an outdoor swimming pool uh, that's threatened with closure. And it's coming out in the US in July and in the UK in April, and that's a really lovely book. And it's set in a part of London I know really well, so that's really lovely. Um, do you want a couple more? Sure. Okay. Yeah, keep, you can keep going, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was actually going to mention this book too, a book that's had a lot of success both critically and in terms of sales. Um, over the last year, year and a half, is a book called Eleanor Oliphant, It's Completely Fine, mm-hmm. um, by Gail Honeyman. That actually is a really interesting example of the covers being very different. In the U- in the US, it's just a, a woman with her head cut off, which is my least favorite kind of cover, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> and it could basically be any woman with long brown hair, like from looking at the cover. But in the UK, it's, it's a house made of matches, which when you've read the book, it's much more obvious what that's about and why it's that. And it's much more idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic and much more related to the book. So I found it really interesting and a bit frustrating that they changed the cover so drastically in the US. But anyway, that said, it's a lovely book. I loved it. Um, and people... You know, people love this book. And sometimes with books that are overhyped like that, you kind of think, oh, is it going to be disappointed? I absolutely loved it. Um, and the editor who picked up that book has a new book out um, this summer called The Colour of B. Larkin's Murder by Sarah J. Harris. And it's about a, a young boy with synesthesia. Um, so he sees he sees the colours of feelings, basically. Um, and, you know, he's investigating the disappearance of a neighbour of his. So I'm really looking forward to that. I have the ARC. I haven't read it yet, but I am very much looking forward to that. Um, and another one is Dear Mrs. Bird by A.J. Pierce. And that's a World War II set novel, um, which sounds delightful. And another World War II-ish novel coming out in the, in the fall is Transcription by Kate Atkinson. Um, and the publishing world in general is pretty excited about that. And I am too. So, yeah. That was fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah, did you have that written down? That was fantastic. I have notes. I have <laughs> oh, okay. Notes, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I'm stuck on the, on the one about synesthesia. I, one of my favorite musicians actually has a whole album about that. And I think Billy Joel, speaking of people who, I think he has that as well, where he can see. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I've, I feel like that has to be right, because there's no way I would just pull that <laughs> fake fact out of my brain. But uh. um, yeah, that sounds really good. That's amazing. Um, Actually, one of the characters in my novel has slight synesthesia as well, but that's not why I picked it, I promise. <laughs> it's so fascinating. It's such a fascinating subject. Yeah. yeah as it soon is. as you said it, we both, like, we our did. eyes lit up, like, oh, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. you, I saw on your site, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, you said that you came over to the States to study for your MFA, but you also have a bit of a West Wing obsession, so... I, tell us all about that. I got very excited when I saw that. <laughs> um, sure. What do, you, what do you want to know? Uh, everything. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah. So I guess, how did it start? You, I think you also, you edited a, a West Wing book, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so um, let me see. Where can I start? <laughs> so basically, I will start at the beginning, which always seems like a good, a good place to start, as Julie Andrews taught us. Um, <laughs> uh, so 
My friends, sort of in about 2008, 2009, my friends were always telling me, oh, there's this American show, you should watch it, it's really good, it's about politics. And, oh, actually, it was earlier than 2009, because it, it was while Bush was still president. I was like, ah, American politics, I'm not really that interested, whatever, I don't have time for TV, um, you know, just it just was like, I can see why you might think I'd be into that because I like politics, but whatever, I'm just not that into it. Um, and then one day I borrowed my flatmate's uh, computer to watch some Friends because I loved Friends, still do. Um, and I popped out the DVD player because this was in the old days when you had to do that. Um, and <laughs> she had a West Wing DVD in there. And I was like, well, everyone's been talking about this. Maybe I'll just so I just I pressed play and it was season two episode five uh, which if you are a West Wing fan is one of the Ainsley Hayes episodes um Ainsley and uh Ainsley Hayes she's a Republican who comes to work she's the best I love her White House um yeah Emily Proctor plays her and she's she's a great character actually um I mean I don't think there would have been an episode I wouldn't have liked if it had happened uh, if I'd happened on it, but that one is awesome. I mean, she's such a great character. Um, and Sam Seaborn, played by Rob Lowe, is like super heroic in that episode as well. And uh, he's just like, oh, all these guys are really attractive and everybody's really smart. And this is not what I thought it would be. And there was a lot I didn't understand because I, at the time I knew nothing about American politics or actually American culture in general. So I was sort of confused, but kind of found exciting that I didn't understand everything. Because it's not often that you watch TV and you're like, oh, this could teach me stuff. Like, this is actually reaching beyond everyday stuff. Um, so, long story short, fell in love with it. Um, and, hmm, I don't know, from, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> had to bridge the gap from there to here, but ended up coming to DC to visit because of my West Wing love, fell in love with DC as a city. Um, and at the same time, the West Wing had made me want to write again because the writing is so, um, it's just so poetic and beautiful. And just Aaron Sorkin showed me what English could really do if you used it well. And that inspired me to write, which I'd kind of forgotten was something that I love to do. Um, so I ended up marrying the two and coming over to do an MFA in creative writing in DC. <laughs> Um, I have to ask, because as you mentioned the writing, how many scenes in your book are there walk-in talks? <laughs> you know, I don't... That's a really good question. <laughs> I think people sit around and talk a lot more than they walk and talk in my book. Maybe I should add a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it's it's one thing to show someone doing a walk-in talk. It's another thing in a book to be like, they were walking and I then know, this yeah. conversation happened. So I think you're... <laughs> I don't know if it translates quite as well in yeah. book form. Yeah, but that are, but the the book is about a girl whose life has been changed by a TV show. It's not a TV show about politics. It's about teachers. But you know, it's a criti critically acclaimed TV show with some slow burn romances in it. So you can kind of see where the inspiration might have come from. <laughs> oh, that is spectacular. I love it. Oh. Okay, so. <laughs> Towards the end of our, our podcast, as you may be familiar from listening, but we always do our Nerd 9, so our nine rapid-fire questions. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let Jill do these. All right, so what's the, okay. what's the last book you finished reading? Um, oh, my gosh, I should really know that, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not very rapid-fire. Um, what is the last book I finished reading? 
Oh, this is terrible. I'm so sorry. Can it's I look okay. My it's all right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you take, your, take your time. I honestly could. I finished a book like three days ago. I couldn't tell you which title it was. So, you're, yeah, you're, you can you, go. <laughs> this is the least rapid fire question in the history of the world. They never end um, up being that way anyway. Though. I know. I know. <laughs> it's fine. Uh... Come on. I don't even have Goodreads open. I'm the worst podcast guest ever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just don't want to, I guess anyone else would lie in this position, but I feel like I have to tell you the real, the real last book. I, I respect that. So. <laughs> okay. Uh. Yeah, I don't know if I can tell you my last book. I, don't, I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm actually trying to think of what book like I started a book yesterday I'm listening to it as an audiobook and it's really good I'm almost halfway through and I don't know that I can tell you the name of it right now it's like Beast of Night or the Beasts Made of Night I can't my think last of book it. was a graphic novel does that count like a re- yours yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay the last book I finished reading was in fact the book I told you about earlier the I Am Thunder by Mohammed Khan <laughs> excellent what is your favorite place to read uh, the beach or bed. What book made you fall in love with reading? Um, possibly a book called Treasures of the Snow that I read when I was around 10 by Patricia St. John. One place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Mm, Australia. Actually, because... So once upon a time, I was obsessed with a different TV show, um, <laughs> which is which was a terrible TV show called Neighbors, and it's set in Australia. And I had a celebrity crush on one of the guys from that, and so that. So yes, hence I still quite like would quite like to go to Australia. <laughs> Your favorite holiday to celebrate? Um, probably Thanksgiving. Coffee or tea? Oh, that's hard. You're asking a Brit. I have to say tea. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Cats. Favorite food? Mm, chocolate. Sorry, that's pretty boring. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> and if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, I think I'd have to say Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good answer. Um, Okay, so... But but I might have to have a friend with me because I'd be a bit intimidated. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like if I was going to have dinner with Aaron Sorkin, I would would need to research topics. Like, when you see awkward speaking of TV shows, when you see people like... Uh, like Parks and Recreation, when Leslie Nope is always like researching topics, have conversations at dinner. I feel like I would need to do that for Aaron Sorkin just to be safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so where can people find you online? Whether it's the podcast, the blog, basically, how can people track you down? Um, the easiest thing is that people find me at Britlet Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and basically follow the breadcrumbs from there. Uh, or BritletBlog.com is where the, my blog and podcast live as well. Um, or I'm also at Purple Claire on Twitter as well. Yeah, I highly recommend you guys follow Claire on your podcast. It's wonderful. I love listening to it. And I also love when Aww. your podcast comes out on the same day as ours, because then they're right, <laughs> they're right next to mine. Yeah, we're podcast buddies That's on right. my feed as well. That's right. Awesome. All right. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a blast.
Thank you so much for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.